0: Welcome to this episode of CDM Media's Executive Insights. I'm your host, J.D. Miller, and we have a fun show for you today. We're gonna to dive into the subject of ransomware in the healthcare industry. Joining us here today is Michael Mann. Michael is the CISO at Integra Managed Care. Now, Integra Managed Care is a New York State managed long-term care plan designed for adults living with long-term disabilities. Their goal, to help their members live safely and independently in the comfort of their own home. They have a wide array of services from home health care to PT to dental care to nursing home care. We're going to dive into the growing threat of ransomware for the healthcare industry after the break. So a hospital in Germany was locked out of their systems and unable to treat patients because of a ransomware attack. A woman in need of urgent care was rerouted to a neighboring hospital 20 miles away, but did not survive. Healthcare providers are one of the hardest hit, most vulnerable industries for a couple reasons. Personal health information can sell for hundreds of dollars per record and is often resold to multiple threat actors. And security of health systems is typically driven by compliance and not by proper security hygiene. I'm joined by Michael. Michael, thank you so much for being with us. You and I had a chance to talk about this subject uh, a few months back. And oh my goodness, even since then, it's really grown, hasn't it?
1: Yes. Thank you, JD. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, the ransomware attack vector has grown exponentially, especially during 2020 through COVID, um, where we saw, um, you know, the whole entire workforce go remote. And the attack vector just completely open and the threat actors looking to capitalize on not only, you know, ransomware, but fraud and, you know, just going all out in, in what they do.
0: You know, it, it is crazy because I feel like the bad actors are getting more and more efficient around ransomware. What are you hearing and seeing out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I was just having this conversation the other day with a colleague and it's if you, look at, if you look at cybersecurity and you look at hacking in general, and you go back, you know, over the course of, say, my career, 20 years, um, you know, 20 years ago, a hacker was somebody in their basement, you know, the, the fluorescent lights, um, it was a single person, then it moved to, you know, what the industry called script kitties. It was uh, uh, people, kids, young, youngsters buying these scripts on the web for $50 on how to hack uh, or you know, how to hack things. But what's really happened now is that the threat actors, they have access to the same computing power that we as businesses do today. They can go to your Amazon, your Azure, spin up infinite resources um, in, in, in minutes for computing power, where they didn't have this this accessibility to these resources before. So, um, as as need for uh, elastic resources and businesses has grown, and it's become accessible through the cloud, these same resources are available to the threat actors, and they've realized now that this is a business. You know, they're taking the money that they're making, and they're reinvesting it into their business to make themselves more proficient and stronger.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I read a story recently. Uh, a study from PurpleSec in, in a survey of information security professionals, fifty percent say do not believe their organiza- organization is prepared to repel a ransomware attack. And adding on to that, seventy-five percent were inf- that were infected with ransomware were running up-to-date endpoint protection. Does that surprise you?
1: No, not at all. You know the 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 attacks are getting much more sophisticated. We've seen a couple of times where tools were stolen um that these are tools that a government uses that um um really goes on to the whole debate on backdoor keys should they be accessible to law enforcement or not right that's a whole different ball game um but these tools that can can you know remain undetected in environments you know ha- are have been stolen from law enforcement and used against know businesses out there so um what's normally been considered you know have good uh firewall defenses have good endpoint protection that's not enough today you have to have layered defenses and you know one of i think the most important parts of cyber resiliency that you know many organizations suffer with is the uh disaster recovery planning so everyone has a dr plan but you know, have they tested it? What is their time? You know, only a small percentage of those organizations have come from back from a full shutdown, you know, from a full closed environment to bring back up, you know, can you get your business up and running in 24 hours? It's a big ask. And a lot of organizations aren't prepared for that. You know, a
0: lot of uh, organizations out there are putting a lot more money in cybersecurity. In cybersecurity training, I saw recent. Figure where six trillion dollars are planning on being spent this year on cybersecurity alone. My question for you in the healthcare space, you had some people working remotely, some people working at home. What layer did this add in as far as a threat vector for you guys?
1: Yeah, we our our threat vectors changed, right? So our defenses were originally built upon, you know, how we did business, which was you know, 90% of the organization in the building. Um, as everybody went we're remote, we were actually um, in the process of um, putting in new technologies um, for remote working and um, actually advanced those programs. Um, and we're, you know, we were fortunate in that we were already budgeted and in progress of some of, those, some of those projects of what we were doing. So, you know, when COVID did hit and everyone had to go remote, it was actually a very easy turn up for us. Um, and we were on the tail end of some of our security projects. So we were very fortunate that we were kind of planning and, and thinking about that two years ago about where the industry is going to. But, um, you know, I think that was, you know not really foresight for something such as the pandemic. I think a big part of it was luck and that we were prepared for that.
0: Talk to me a little bit about supply chain.
1: You know, how are you thinking about supply
0: chain when it comes to ransomware and response planning?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, when, when it comes to, you know, supply chain and response planning with that, it's, um, it, it, it's you know, there, there really isn't a good, um, until you've tested what your response plan is. And it's more than just a tabletop test, but we found, you know, one of the first things we found doing tabletop tests to be a great benefit to us because, you know, when ransomware hits, you know, what do what do you do? Who do you call? What do you need to do? There are um, systems you need to get back up and running. There are uh, patients that you need to serve. There are business functions that need to happen, and there are uh, government uh, authorities, regulators. You know, people. You need to notify. So, there there has to be a team effort in doing this. And if and if an organization thinks a CISO um, can handle that alone, I mean, it's 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 too much of going on at once. Um, so it's it's not only planning through tabletops, but you know, doing those exercises. And it's kind of like training, like I guess you can call it, you know, what the military does, and and training for events that happen until you're conditioned so that you know what needs to be done. And as you're running through those tests, doing those restorations of business and carving out time to ensure not only your business is on board, you know, you may think, okay, I can get these systems up in this amount of time, but have to have the partnership with the business. So many moving pieces, so complex and as the organization is larger and larger, it just becomes exponential. And I think that's where a lot of organizations struggle when they're hit with ransomware attacks is what do we do now? How do we get everybody together? You know, our communication is down. So if you're if you're hit with ransomware, chances are they've gotten your email server. How are you going to communicate to everybody? How are, you know, how are you going to get messaging out and and and, uh, and available to um, you know, especially if you're multi-state international, how do you how do you talk? How do you get through your message? So um, yes, a lot, of, a lot of pieces to digest. <laughs> I was
0: going to say, that's a, it's a lot of pieces. <laughs> and I, I think a lot has been written and a lot of plans are in place, obviously, to empower staff around security as many yes. you know work from home. My question is not about the staff. It's about the executive teams. What do you think executive teams need to understand better when it comes to the impact of ransomware attacks outside of there's a big dollar figure here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think executives need to know how critical, you know, cybersecurity is, you know, for the organization, and that has to trickle down to the entire staff. So whether you know, um, looking back years ago, um, ten years ago, the attack vector was everybody was getting emailed viruses to their email, and you were being told, well, don't click on applications and your antivirus was trickling that out. Now today, you know, you're getting sophisticated phishing attacks. We're seeing a lot of ransomware attacks where you know, they're, they're, the threat actors are coming in through stolen credentials. So to circle back, I know that's a lot to, to circle around to answer your question, but the, 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 uh, the executive team, that message needs to get out to the staff. There are people who are going to try and break in. This is what they're going to do. You have to, as an end user in the organization, be responsible, practice good hygiene, and you know, get that message through to staff. And be willing to, you know, the financial parts of the business have to be able to set aside monies for these type of these type of tools and programs. Um, you know, IT. It's it's interesting. IT, um, you know, most businesses can't run today without IT, um, and they've invested a lot of monies into IT operations, but there needs to be huge carve outs for IT security budgets and dedicated. I think the biggest piece we see uh, missing is dedicated IT security professionals within the organization.
0: When it comes to a ransomware incident, how do you validate that the threat actors actually have the data? Because a lot of times mm-hmm. you
1: don't know. Great question, right? Do you believe them? Are they really? Uh, are they really ethical? So, you know, what will happen is they'll. You'll see the ransom message on your machines, on your servers, with a contact email address. You'll reach out to them, and um, they will show you. Likely, show you screenshots of that data. Um, the organizations that I've seen that have gone through this. Um, they will then begin you know, the talks with the threat actors stating, um, okay, we see you have screenshots, but you could have taken those screenshots um, while you were in my systems. How do I know you have the data? And usually what the threat actors will do is they'll set up some type of file share with a, a, a sample of files that they've stolen, they've exfiltrated from your organization. Um, at that point, is, you know, when they're saying, listen, we have your data, we will promise to give you the key and delete all this data so it won't fall onto the dark web um, in exchange for the money it's paid. Um, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, how do I, how do I know if I spend, you know, $100,000 up to, I mean, there's been organizations, I've seen healthcare organizations pay millions of dollars um, for that key. How, how can you trust them I think, you know, how do you trust a crook, right? Like um, yeah. it's that, that ethics question. Um, but, you know, the truth is, you know, these guys, they're organized groups there. And if the word gets out that, Hey, I paid and didn't get my data, they know it's going to tarnish their reputation. So they have websites which um, they publish with what organizations they've breached, you um, you know, who, who hasn't paid the ransom. Um, so they'll kind of throw your stuff out there if you haven't paid, but it's uh it's a, uh, it's kind of, you know, do you trust a criminal uh, if, if you're going to pay and, and, you know, my advice to any organization is, you know, be resilient, right. Have, have all those layers be resilient. And, and obviously our government and our law enforcement is always going to advise, you know, don't pay the ransom because, that just gives these guys more motivation to go after other organizations.
0: I guess that was going to be my next question. When do you pay the ransom, and and does it get to a point where you have to do something to to control that?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen. I think there was a health system in Florida that paid a large amount of money. Um, 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 you know, there have been outside of healthcare. There's been whole entire counties that have been shut down. Um, government. Um, and they've had to pay the ransom because they just can't get their business back up and running. Um, you know, these are, um, these are organizations that, you know, didn't go through those good disaster recovery business continuity tests um, to ensure that they can get up and running. So, you know, you have to make a judgment call on, you know, what is it going to cost me? What am I going to lose in my business? and what are, you know, what am I going to pay? And put some luck in it that you're going to get that key, because you can still pay millions of dollars, and they could turn around and say, you know, sorry, no key, you know, that's, and there's nothing, you're just out even more money. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it
0: goes to your point of, do, do you, do you trust a criminal, right to, right, to actually deliver on what they said, and, and not sit on that, and then you know, six months, a year later, that's all. They're selling it for hundred, hundreds of dollars per right. record on the dark web. You know, that, that that's tough. Do you feel in healthcare that you guys are more of a target than yeah, other industries?
1: I, th- I think right now, I mean, we've seen exponential attacks in healthcare. I think they've realized that it's a great attack vector. Healthcare traditionally has um, lagged behind in terms of security because, there's been a lot of open interfaces out there. Think about health exchanges, data exchanges, um, transfer of data, health organizations communicating back and forth. So there's been kind of a, um, you know, not, a, not as tight as, say, financial services. Um, you, you know, security protocols have been a little more lax, and, and, and organizations were really held to HIPAA standards. Um, in terms of security, and if you look at HIPAA security, it's very generalized. It's not—it's um, not stringent security controls, um, as opposed to you know we're located in New York State, and New York State has a uh, has a control uh, called New York State DFS 500, Department of Financial Services, that um, the uh, plans have to adhere to, and. They prescribe very strict security controls, um, so I think that's where we see that healthcare for a long time thought, okay, well, if I'm HIPAA compliant and I just give these disclaimers and I do a couple of things security-wise, you know, I'm covered. You know, that that just doesn't work. So, you know, that's been that's been a big driving force, and I think, you know, the I think also the cost that the bad actors can, um, can sell these records for, you know, you're when you have someone's personal health history and, you know, you're, you're, you're obtaining a portfolio on somebody's life. Um, and the data in there is immeasurable of what you can do and social sec, you know, social security numbers, health data, pharmacy information. I mean, you can, it's just so much data and, um, what you can um, get for those records is just higher than other things that are out there in the dark web. Well, and you're holding
0: out of that data longer than a lot of other companies, right? Yes, um, oh yeah,
1: absolutely. So I think that's a good point is you, you know, you have, you know, uh, health record systems that, um, you know, you hold on to a health record indefinitely because that patient may come back or there may be some type of legal, Action at some point regarding that, and, and a record may be subpoenaed. So you're holding on to these records, minimum ten years, um, in a lot of cases. So um, it's a long time to hold on to data for, and you know it just accumulates.
0: Yeah, many label human error as their biggest challenge. Do you agree, or, or do you feel that the biggest challenge lies elsewhere?
1: No, I think I think human error is, I would say, you know, right now. Being that, being that the world went remote with COVID. So your, your perimeter defenses went from the office to everybody's home. Um, the weakest link at everybody's home is the person. You can, you can put software to block the attacks. You can put software to stop the viruses. You can't program a human not to click on something malicious and not to give away data. You can't, I've tried. <laughs> it just doesn't work. Um, we run through so many phishing campaigns and uh, where we do education for staff and people are just inherently always going to fall for something. It just happens. Um, they just see something, they want to click on it and that's all it takes is literally one click um, to start something off.
0: That's scary. It's scary. W- what about, the evolution in ransomware attacks should really concern us all the most.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I think the sophistication of them, I think, um, you know, I think, you know, what I, I uh, spoke to earlier, you know, utilizing, um, tools that were not meant for malicious use now being used as part of the attack vectors. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, at the end of the day, um, the only um, uh, way that we can get through this, I think, you know, and I'll just keep harping on it, but it's, it's business continuity. You know, you got to have good multi-layered defenses and business continuity. Um, the sophistication has increased greatly, you know, uh, once, once, you know, a lot of times, you know, this stuff is being deployed on your networks, you're not aware of it. Um, and that's what's um you know that's what's happening. It's a race against time. Once that ransomware is injected in your environment, um, that's where um, the, the clock's ticking, and it it's so fast. It's um, you need that 24 by 7 monitoring, um, and I think that's another thing. Actually, we, we could probably talk about a little bit, but yeah, you know we've we've gone to 24 by 7. You know, not only knock monitoring but SOC monitoring, security mm-hmm. operation center monitoring too. Mm-hmm. You know, you need around the clock at at this point. It's it's no longer just security is no longer just a nine to five job.
0: And, and how's that worked so far?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, if if I'm an attacker, when am I going to try? You know, what am I going to try an attack on a Monday at nine a.m. when I know the business is up and looking at everything, or am I going to go on a Saturday night at two a.m. when I think nobody's around? You know, so you know, we feel a lot more confident that hey, we have eyes on 24 by seven, you know, we actually have a SOC who's monitoring all the systems looking for that malicious activity. Um, and, um, you know, that's just another layer of defense, right? That's just something else you have to put into play.
0: You know, one challenge also for CISOs out there in in organizations is getting the right talent in to be able to, to keep an eye on all this stuff. And, yes. and talk to me a little bit about that challenge, because they're not
1: out there in overabundance. No, very difficult. I, I think I'm very fortunate in that my career has progressed. I started 20 plus years ago. Uh, literally, my first job was help desk. I went from help desk to server admin to telecom admin to network admin and kind of climbed my way up the ranks. But um, you know, that gave me the knowledge for all those different types of systems. You know, when you're in security, you have to be able to understand how everything works. Um, what what I see a lot in a lot of the, the, you know, a lot of organizations, IT is very compartmentalized. It's very, um, you know, you have somebody who just presses one button and that's it. So your security team has to be well-versed to be able to handle servers, networking, certificates, websites you know penetration testing so the talent is very hard to find out there um you have to have somebody that has a, a full deck of tricks and you know jack of all trades that um um and and now what we're seeing is some really good programs out of universities and things like that but you know until recently that that didn't exist and even then when people are green it's a lot of it is experience it's it's kind of like that um that detective, you know, that old detective who has the gut feeling on something and what lead Columbo, to follow. Columbo, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Just one more thing. Just one more
1: thing. Yeah. Right. So um, you know, it's it's you kind of have to think in that way. Um, but yeah, talent is definitely hard to acquire. It's it's not. Um, I think as the industry keeps growing, you know, there has to be a um, a bigger push for talent um, and to get people up to you know professionals up to the level they need to be.
0: Last question for you. And let's say we're sitting here two years from now. What's going to be the biggest threat for healthcare security as we're sitting here? Are we going to be having the same conversation, saying the the ransomware is here, it's it's here, it's here? What's the the, the look that crystal ball? I want you to gaze in there. Yeah, and, that's and, that's and a and great
1: question. Wow, that's a great question. I think we'll still be here with ransomware. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. I think, um, I think um, we're going to, you know, have, uh, always have that because it's just going to be an attack vector. I think where the attack vector is going to be bigger in the next two years, um, as we see more and more medical devices that are being deployed, you know, what they call uh, IoT, Internet of Things, I think there's um, a lot of, um, a lot of security that's not pre-thought or built into that Um, so those medical devices whether they're life-saving devices monitoring devices you know um, remote monitoring um, any of that kind of stuff I think as we see the evolution of the healthcare industry go towards that because as technology advances hey why do I need to send a nurse to your house anymore you know just use this device to take your blood pressure take your temperature you know give all your vitals back Um, I think you'll see attacks on those kind of devices and you know, you'll, we'll go through that cycle of, of, um, of the new attack vector. And I think that, you know, um, that also leads to um, the, the manufacturers, you know, in the industry, whether it's, um, whether it's medical devices, autonomous cars, anything as we move to the future have to really, you know, have a security component as part of it, uh, part of their development, and really be um, a forefront in, in that piece of development of what they're doing. Today we don't think like that. You know, we we're getting there, and um, we're 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 doing security afterthought. So right now, where you know the businesses, the solutions build um, build their products, and then we come in with defense. And put the stakes in, and put the fence around it, and you know, then we set up the radar sensors, and then we're, you know, it's always security is always an afterthought now. Um, but I think, you know, two years from now, we we, that's what I see where where we need to be. Whether we're there or not, I I probably I, I wouldn't bet on it. I think it's too costly, and I think that to get things to production fast, that it's a sidestep.
0: It- when you look at how the telehealth has taken off, right, and it's people realize I can go to the doctor and I don't have to leave my house, especially for just routine things. That's I don't think that's going to go away when people are are back into the normal swing of routine right. because it's so convenient to to do that. So, um, looking at that and then the products you use, as you mentioned, you know, in those environments, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where the the truth threat vectors are at that point in time. Michael, this has been fantastic. Thank you for for coming on and letting me pick your brain.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of CDM Media's Executive Insights. You can always go listen to past episodes on cdmmedia.com. I'm J.D. Miller, and keep connecting.